are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Well, I hope all of you had a good Thanksgiving, and I hope you survived Black Friday. We've now officially entered into the holiday season time of year in our culture. And that season can be frenetic and stressful and cause anxiety for a lot of us. Yet at the same time, this season gives us the opportunity to connect and reconnect with people in our lives and to discover and rediscover important relationships. So it's a good time for us to be alert and awake. It's a good time for us to look for goodness and decency. And there are plenty of examples around. I want to share one with you this morning. Seven years ago, in 2016, Wanda Dench sent a text message to her family to invite them over for Thanksgiving with all the details. But she accidentally included a wrong number. And that number belonged to a 17-year-old young man named Jamal Hinton. Hinton got the text, and he was a little perplexed by it. So he responded, asking, who is this? Who is this? And... She replied back, your grandma. (laughs) He replied back, grandma, can I have a picture? So Denton sent a selfie. Hinton replied, you not my grandma, with a laughing emoji. And then he jokingly asked, can I get a plate, though? And she said, yes, absolutely. She said, of course you can. That's what grandmas do, feed everyone. And that was in 2016, and those two and extended families have shared Thanksgiving together every year since then. In this season, we can find goodness and decency and joy if we're awake, if we're alert. Our scripture readings for today and this first Sunday of Advent invite us to be awake and alert. But for those of us who call ourselves Christians, there's more to this season than just kindness and decency. We're invited to see and hear something more in this season. Last week, some of you were here. It was Christ the King Sunday. Our guest preacher reminded us of that, that it's the last Sunday in the church year. So this Sunday is the first Sunday in a new church year, first Sunday of Advent. So happy new year in a church sense. Glad you're here to celebrate. And it's the first Sunday of Advent. The word Advent, in a secular sense, means coming. In a church sense, it's a time for us to celebrate, to look back on the time when God came into the world in the person of Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, the scripture tells us. And it's a time for us to look forward to when Jesus will come again into this world in all its fullness. So in these four Sundays of the Advent season, we are watching and waiting for Jesus to come into the world, to remember Jesus coming, the birth of a baby, and to look forward to Jesus coming in the future, somehow, some way, renewing us as God's people, looking forward to that kingdom of God, that realm of God. The people in the early church in the years and decades after the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, they had high level of expectation that Jesus was really coming soon, that his 
Um, second coming was imminent. The readings from the lectionary on this first Sunday of Advent are not about a baby in a manger, but instead they're about the future coming of Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome encouraging early Christians to remember that time is moving forward and that Jesus might come soon. So he called them to be awake and alert and to live with a sense of purpose, to make their lives matter, to turn from the ways of sin and to live with that sense of intentionality. Listen for God's word from Romans chapter 13. You know what time it is. How na- it is now the moment for you to wake from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not reveling, not in reveling in drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So if indeed Jesus was coming again to somehow bring God's kingdom in all its fullness, then people wanted to know exactly when that was going to be so they could be ready. But as we hear in the gospel lesson for today, on this first Sunday of Advent, Jesus told his followers that no one would know when that would be. So he was encouraging them to live their whole lives with a state of alertness and a wakefulness, a sense of being prepared, a sense of being ready to live wisely and well, to live a life of meaning. Listen for God's word from Matthew chapter 24. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And then they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too it will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken, another will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Thanks be to God for the words of Scripture. So Jesus says, be ready. Jesus says, keep alert. But he's not really specific as to what that means. So if I had been there, I might have raised my hand, said, thank you, Jesus. But I'm not exactly sure what you mean by keep awake, keep alert, be ready. Could you give us a little more specific example? And maybe somebody did that because if you keep reading in the gospel, in the beginning of Matthew 25, there are two parables that continue with the theme of being ready, being prepared, being awake, and being alert. There's the parable of the ten bridesmaids, the parable of the talents. They both encourage that sense of attentiveness and being alert and purposeful living. But those two parables, like the reading before it, don't 
really specify exactly what that means. I kind of like the details. I kind of like to know exactly what, what we're supposed to do. So fortunately, at the end of Matthew 25, 25th chapter of Matthew, Jesus provides a very concrete example of purposeful living with the parable of the sheep and the goats. It's worth your time to look at that parable if you're not familiar with it. The core of it is Jesus telling his disciples, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was in prison and you visited me. The disciples are surprised when Jesus says this because they didn't see Jesus. And Jesus essentially says to them, whenever you did one of these acts of mercy, whenever you did one of these kind things for anyone, you did it for me. You did it to me. I was there. Jesus seems to be saying. It's as if Jesus has come again in the face of hurting people, in the lives of hurting people. So is this what the second coming of Jesus is all about? Maybe it is. I'm glad to be at a church that values learning and asking questions. I'm glad to be part of a tradition that's reformed, always reforming. So it's always good for us to keep an open mind about things. And I think we need to keep wrestling with things, including this idea of the second coming of Jesus. I think for too long, the church has had a rather narrow interpretation of the second coming of Jesus. I do have a sense that sometime in the future, who knows when, there'll be some sort of climax of history and somehow, some way. God will come in all God's fullness and make things right with the world. But I don't know when that's going to be, and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Jesus tells us that in the Gospels. So in the meantime, or the in-between time, as theologian Karl Barth calls it, we're called to be awake and alert and attentive and to be God's presence in this world, to work for the kingdom that Jesus started to proclaim, this new realm of love and justice and peace. <clears throat> So in terms of thinking about the second coming of Jesus, I think pastor and author Barbara Brown Taylor says it pretty well. <coughs> she says, one of my professors told me once about how the second coming of Christ was an idea cooked up by some church father with only two fingers. The truth, he said, is that Christ comes again and again and again, that God has placed no limit on coming into the world, but is always on the way to us here and now. The only thing we're required to do is to notice to watch, to keep our eyes peeled. So maybe Jesus is with us more than we recognize. Maybe Jesus is in the face of Ukrainian refugees. Maybe Jesus is in the face of that woman at the street corner, at the intersection, asking for change. Maybe Jesus is in the face of the kid sitting alone by himself in the school cafeteria. Maybe Jesus is in the face of one of your relatives who nobody really likes. Maybe Jesus is in the face of someone on the church prayer list. Maybe Jesus is in the face of somebody that you're going to bump into today. Matthew 25 opens our eyes so that we might see the coming of Jesus into the world. 
the presence of Jesus in the world, and Matthew 25 can help us rethink our understanding of what sin is. Right? I'm really glad to be part of a church that values learning. Glad to be part of a tradition where we're reformed, always reforming. So let's think about traditional understandings of sin. You heard a, an interpretation of that, I guess, in the first reading today. But I think for too long, church leaders have had a very narrow and rigid definition of sin, focusing on individual morality, on things like sex and alcohol, as if that's all that God cared about. Now, certainly, we need to have conversations, honest and heartfelt conversations about sexual ethics, about addiction, substance abuse, all those things. That's important, but that's not the whole picture. Not the whole picture at all. In recent years, the Presbyterian Church has been helpful in this, moving the, the conversation of sin outward to a beyond the individual level with the Matthew 25 initiative of the church. Covenant has become a Matthew 25 congregation. You can see that little logo on the back of our bulletins on Sunday. That means we've joined together with hundreds of other congregations making a commitment to work on three things. Building congregational vitality, dismantling structural racism, and eradicating systemic poverty. This Matthew 25 initiative is helping us and millions of other Presbyterians to dig deeper into this idea of sin as a social construct, the sins of poverty and the sins of racism, and to think about the big picture. Doing charity work is good and vital and important. But we need to ask the questions about why the problems persist and look at systems and structures and ask questions about justice. <clears throat> so we have people in this church who are asking hard questions in our racist anonymous fellowship, looking at their own lives and the systems in which we exist. We have people in this church who are asking hard questions in the Black History for New Day classes that have gone through several cycles. We have people in this church who are asking hard questions about immigration and about homelessness after spending time in Guatemala or spending time helping feed hungry people here in Madison. Asking those questions doesn't mean we're going to get easy answers, and sometimes it can be challenging. Brazilian Bishop Dom Helder Camara served the church in Brazil during a brutal military dictatorship, and he famously said, when I feed the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor are hungry, they call me a communist. And he invoked the wrath of the military dictatorship. So questions are important, sometimes challenging, sometimes hard. So thanks to the Matthew 25 initiative, we here at Covenant are not only seeking to revitalize our congregation, but we're also asking those hard questions about racism, poverty, as part of our Christian discipleship, as what it means to follow Jesus in the world today, as what it means to take the name Christian and make it real in the world, and not just something we pat ourselves on the back for on Sunday morning. Last week, we welcomed four new members, and we asked them questions. We like questions in the Presbyterian Church. Jesus asked a lot of questions. So we ask questions when people join the church. We asked questions a few minutes ago at baptism, and those questions for baptism and membership and confirmation are essentially the same. And at the core of that questioning is the word turn. 
turning or repenting or changing one's mind or changing one's direction? Do you turn from the ways of sin and evil in the world that separate us from the love of God? And do you turn to the love of God expressed in Jesus Christ? These are the questions that we ask at special occasions like baptism, but really we're meant to ask those questions every day and that process of turning and repenting and changing and thinking in new ways and living in new ways is an everyday calling for us as God's people. That's the essence of baptism and membership. Turning from evil and turning to the life that God's offered us in Jesus Christ. And together we figure out what that means. So what time is it? It's a great time for random acts of kindness. It always is. It's time for us to wake up and stop sleepwalking through life. It's time for us to ask the hard questions of ourselves, of our church, of our society. And it's time for us to turn away from selfishness and foolishness and injustice and turn to the one who brings us light, the one who brings us hope. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for coming into the world in the person of Jesus to bring light and hope. Thank you for calling us to follow, to be your people. Grant us courage and wisdom to ask questions. Grant us courage and wisdom to follow, to live as new people, as changed people, with the hope that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen.